Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Hey, we had some good, uh, some good news that happened this week. Roe v. Wade was overturned. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm hoping that there will be a curse that will be lifted from the United States because of that. I got a very interesting, uh, very powerful text this week from Penny Jarvis. Ronnie and Penny, raise your hand there so people know who you are right here in the middle. Uh, we went to church with them 100 years ago, and, uh, yeah. and they're here now, now at Harmony, been here for, for quite a while, so we're just really glad to have you here. But uh, Penny uh, is associated with a ministry, and uh, this uh, gal named Wanda Alger, Alger or Alger, uh, wrote this. She says, uh, and you've been in, was you in communication with her just through her ministry? But it said that she was in uh, Washington, D.C. as that announcement was uh, about to be made. And she says this, she said, uh, you can feel the intensity in the atmosphere as everyone want, uh, waits for uh, Roe versus Wade decision. Signs are out already announcing the opposition's intention to create havoc. But it is to be expected. This is what demons do when they are told they have to leave. Amen? Uh, you, you realize this is a spiritual battle. This is a tremendous, yeah, it's happening in the physical, but it's a f- spiritual battle. So that is to be expected. This is what demons do when they're told to leave. It will be like watching a huge deliverance session. But even for those who fight it, the anointing is here and their time is up. Yes. Amen. Amen. They, may be put on a, uh, they may put on a show for a while, but we can pray that their outbursts stay at a minimum. We've done this many times in deliverance sessions when demons want to prolong their expulsion. As we stand our ground in prayer, we can rob them of fuel by ignoring their tantrums and declaring heaven's protection over those involved. The fact is, a curse will be lifted off this nation, and who knows what kinds of windows of blessing may open as a result. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I hope that you understand the intensity of this decision. I hope you understand the importance of this decision. And uh, a, a great thing has taken place here in the United States, and I'm so thankful for it. Praise the Lord. God is on the move. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. My first slide there once again. Last week we talked about the church, and today we're going to talk about the church. <laughs> and I'm just going to hammer home some, some more things that I talked about last week. Uh, it might be a repeat of last, of last week's for the most part. But I just want to hammer some things home. We're going to talk about the church. I, I, I so love the church. And not only do I love the church, I love this church. And God is doing some, some great things in the church. And he's doing some great things uh, with, with the church. I mentioned to you here uh, a, a while back about uh, the things that Mario Murillo is doing with his tent revivals. Do you know God is moving in the United States of America? I hope you understand that. Because sometimes right here in Leisure, Indiana, we may not sense it, we may not see it, we may not experience it. But I'll tell you, God is on the move in the United States. He's doing some powerful things. And Mario Murillo has a 9,000-seat tent, and he has a 14,000-seat tent, and he's in the process of trying to get a 50,000-seat tent. 
to have, have his meetings where people are coming and being saved and being delivered, being set free, being healed. There's just all kinds of powerful things that are happening in Mario Murillo. But there's another thing that's happening that's taking place that's very, very powerful too. How many of you know John Maxwell? He's written, uh, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, I won't say how many. He's written dozens and dozens of books. He says right now he is not writing a book, but he's, he's in the midst of the most powerful time of his ministry that he's ever had. He is having, he's out in Las Vegas uh, quite often, holding meetings, leadership meetings. That's what his specialty is, is teaching lead, leadership. And he's having 40 to 60,000 people come to his leadership meetings. They have them in a big stadium there in Las Vegas. So he teaches these, these sessions, and he doesn't mention Christ, but he uses Christ's principles. And he'll, he'll tell them, that he usually does a Friday night, Saturday night, and then he tells them, he said, now if you want to know where I get these leadership principles, and if you want to know and hear about the greatest leader who ever lived, come tomorrow. And 90% of the people come back. And he's sharing the gospel. People are coming to the altar by the thousands getting saved. They have now said that John Maxwell is the Billy Graham of business. Great things are happening in the United States of America. And it's going to get here. It's coming. It's a wave. And let's be the surfer that's wanting to jump on that wave. Amen. And let's ride it for all it's worth. Hallelujah. God is doing some great things. Psalm 122.1. I love this verse. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I, I hope that somebody gets excited on a Sunday morning coming to church. I just hope you get a little excited because this is where we gather as the body of Christ. This is where we come together and we, where we are jointly fit together. And this is where we are the body of Christ. And we need to be changing our community, touching our community, reaching out to our community and showing them the love of Jesus Christ. And I think that the church of God the bride of Jesus Christ is the most important entity upon the face of the earth. The body of Christ, the church, is the most important entity upon the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Let's think about a wedding for a moment. The world is waiting for the pure bride to step into the doorway and to make her beautiful appearance. Strolling down the aisle, holding on to the arm of God the Father. Can you picture that in your mind? However, our Western culture, weddings have omitted one important element. How many weddings have you ever been to where the bride comes and she's at the door? Everybody stands and everybody turns and looks at the bride and she comes down the aisle. She's so beautiful. Everybody's gazing at her and smiling. 
But have you ever been to a wedding where all of a sudden the bride stops and says, okay, now you have seen me. Now gaze upon him. Think about that. Oh, gaze upon the bridegroom. We don't look at the ugly bridegroom. (laughs) That poor guy, how did he wind up with her? There's no way that should have happened. That's what you're standing there thinking. But in the spirit realm, that is what is taking place. The church, all people need to be looking at us because it's beautiful. It's something to behold. But we, the church, what do we do? We in turn say, don't look at me. Look at him. Look at the bridegroom. He's the one who's beautiful. He's the one who's powerful. He's the one that we need to be pointing our attention to. John 1 and 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we, behe- <coughs> Excuse me, we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Psalm 96, 9, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Psalm 29, 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The Lord is beautiful. The bride is beautiful. He's coming after a bride that is spotless and without wrinkle. Hallelujah. But with all of our perfections now, we might as well right now begin to proclaim to everyone the need to fix their Eyes upon the bridegroom. Hallelujah. Look at him. Look at him. Look at Jesus Christ, my protector, my rock. He's my fortress and my stronghold. Hallelujah. He's my guide and my strength, my salvation and my hope. If God is for us, who can be against us? I can do all things through my bridegroom who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. In him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17, 28. Is that the way you are living? I want to challenge you again this morning, like I did last week. Are you doing everything? Are you being everything whom you are supposed to be in Christ Jesus? In Him we live and move and have our being. Is your week filled with that in mind? I'm going to live and I'm going to move and I'm going to have my being in Him this week. When I'm at the grocery store, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to be uh, thinking about him. I'm going to talk to other people about him. In him we live and move and have our being. Do you live out your life with that in mind? And I'm challenging you in that this morning. And it challenges me as well. So I just want to stir the pot again this morning. That's all I want to do. I want to... Say to the devil, you better look out. The bride is waking up. Hallelujah. She's coming out of her slumber. That's individually and corporately. The lukewarmness and the passivity are being shaken off. And I I want us to do that. I want us to literally shake off the passivity and the lackadaisical attitudes. Devil, you're a liar and your future is doomed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're the church of Jesus Christ. 
And just as God the Father raised Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, up from the dead, He's going to raise the bride up from the dead as well. And what a glorious reunion it's going to be. And we are being prepared for that great banquet in the sky for eternity. Eternity is a long time, isn't it? Hallelujah. Isaiah 42, 13. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out. Yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. If the Lord is going to stir himself up, if he's going to stir up his zeal, don't you think maybe you and I might have to stir ourselves up once in a while? I want to stir you this morning. Hey, it's all right to, to get a little excited this morning. It's all right to show a little passion, a little zeal. Okay? It's, it's okay to, to say something. It's okay to respond. You don't have to, but hey, it's okay. I want us to be excited about the things of God. There's never been a greater time in the history of the world to be alive than right now. Some people say, boy, I just don't see that. We are living in the time whenever Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth and, and catch up his church. The greatest time. It's the greatest time to be involved in our communities, in politics, in, in what's going on in our area. It's the greatest time to be alive. There is so much work that needs to be done. There are so many things to, to take care of, but we have to have a passion and a zeal we have to have an energy. There needs to be an excitement about the things of God. 2 Timothy 1.6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That was his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And he, he is, uh, Paul is challenging Timothy to stir up the gifts of God that are in him. And I want to say that to you this morning. Stir up the gifts that are in you. We have gifts. We have talents. We have abilities. There are gifts that are listed in the Scripture. Romans chapter 12 lists the gifts that we call the motivational gifts. Those are things that you are born with. In Ephesians chapter 4, we have the gifts of the Son. That is the apostle, evangelist, pastor, prophet, teacher. It's called the fivefold ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have the nine gifts of the Spirit. There's healings and there's miracles and there's tongues and interpretation of tongues. There's uh, nine gifts listed there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we have all of those gifts. And then we're, we're gifted and we're talented in other areas. Elizabeth playing the flute. Paul leading praise and worship. Other, other people doing different things, teaching. And whatever your gift is, I want you to stir that up. Are you using it? Are you, are you giving back to God what He has given you? Because He has given you gifts, He has given you talents and abilities, and no one can do what you can do. No one can do with your personality what you can fulfill for the kingdom. He has put something in every one of us to serve. I mentioned last, last Sunday, uh, I probably, maybe I shouldn't have, or maybe I should have gone ahead and explained it. I mentioned to you that my platform is changing, my calling is not changing, but my platform is changing. And I've had a handful of people say, well, what's that all about? So some of you are, are newer to the fellowship here. Uh, this has been a, a process. It's been a long process. It's been planned out uh, for a good many years now. Really about seven or eight years ago, we began to talk about uh, me eventually stepping down as the lead pastor. And... Uh, 
we didn't know for sure. I didn't know for sure at that time who it was going to be. But as things developed, uh, Pastor Josh now, uh, they came along and we began to feel like that he was going to be my replacement. In 2019, uh, we had a baton passing service. Many of you were at that. And I passed the lead pastor role to Pastor Josh in 20, September of 2019. And the plan has been, and it still is, that each year I just step down a little bit more. And that's been taking place. In 2019, I stepped down a little, a little bit. Pastor Josh took the lead. 2020, I stepped down a little more. 21, a little more. And then the plan has been that it's September of 2022, which is fastly approaching. September 1, I will be totally retired uh, from, from, well, you're not going to ever retire from ministry, but I'll be retired from here. I will no longer be on staff. And uh, that does not mean that we're not going to be here. We're still going to be here. We're still going to be serving. We're, I'm still going to be overseeing life groups. And uh, we're still going to be doing things. Uh, I just I won't be, uh, be on staff any longer officially. So that's, that's the plan. So you see how my platform is changing? I'm still going to be involved in ministry. I'm still going to be doing some speaking around different things. I still have some some things in mind to do, maybe uh, uh, online. You know, I don't know what all the Lord might have in store. My platform is changing, but my calling has not. And you are the same way. There's a calling upon your life. I don't know what your platform is, and maybe you're in the midst of a platform change too. That's okay. But your calling does not change, and I want all of us to be operating in the giftings that we have been given. Because whenever all of us are operating within those giftings, then the body of Christ is all that she should be. So, once again, I just want to stir you up, as, Timothy, or as Paul is saying to Timothy here, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Here's what I want to do this morning, Hebrews 10.24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So we're just going to be stirring this morning, and I would assume that for the most part, uh, many of you are like me in the fact that, uh, that I take too much for granted. Talked about this a little there with our uh, communion. Do you take too many things for granted? I, I take Jackie for granted too many times. I, I take my kids for granted too many, our wonderful family. Sometimes you just take those things for granted. You just assume, you know, it's always going to be there. Jackie's always going to do what she always does, and I take her for granted. And what happens when we begin to take things for granted is that we, we don't pursue like we used to. At times, I don't pursue her like I used to pursue her. I mean, used to, she was pursued. <laughs> I mean, she had a stalker. And you can get, you know, after 47 years, you can kind of let, let some of that go by the wayside, and that's not healthy for a marriage. Hey, if, if, if I continue to pursue her now the way I did whenever, before we were married, it makes for a pretty good marriage. It really does. But what happens when we get complacent, whenever we get passive? What happens whenever we begin to take things for granted? We can do that here at church. We just take church for granted. It's always going to be there. It's always, and, you know, that's my church. And uh, whether I show up or whether I don't, we kind of get a passive attitude whenever we begin to be, uh, we take things for granted. 
So let's not take people for granted. Let's not take this church for granted. Let's be thankful for it. And let's press in. And let's push for everything that we should be. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, you think we could take Scripture for granted as well? Let's begin to read Psalm 84. Psalm 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself. Where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They shall still be praising you. Selah. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, in the very first part, of that. Back to verse 1. Uh, here's what it says. Psalm 84. To the chief musician on an instru instrument of Gath. Gath also means wine press. Gath was a city. So they, they were just these musicians. The chief musician was just simply just saying he was using an instrument that he found. They, I don't know if they was on, on, on tour or what it was, but he, he, he misplaced his instrument. I don't know what, what the deal was. But anyway, he's using one of the instruments there from the city of Gath. A psalm of the sons of Korah. Now this makes it very interesting. Who was Korah? Anybody remember who Korah was? Whenever we look in the Old Testament, and I have the scripture references, um, Korah rebelled against Moses. Korah was, he had an assignment in carrying temple, the, the temple, you know, the temple was portable, the tabernacle was portable. And there were people who were responsible, the Levites, who were the priests, they were responsible for all the utensils and everything inside. Uh, Korah and his group were responsible for the ark and for all of the, the poles of the tabernacle. And all of that stuff was heavy. And not only did, did the burden of the heaviness of all of that stuff uh, was very significant, but also they were not allowed to carry them with their hands on, on their flesh. They, they had to carry them in a, like in baskets and put them on a pole. They weren't allowed to touch them. You remember how the one guy got struck dead whenever he touched the ark. They weren't allowed to touch these things. So it made the task very difficult in moving the tabernacle from place to place. And they got upset because the Levites, all they had to do was take the little utensils and stuff and wrap them up carefully and place them in a box. And so their task was very hard, and they rebelled against Moses. So Korah and two other guys come, and they are standing up against Moses and saying, you are not the man of, of God. Who do you think you are telling us to do all this stuff? And, and uh, Moses, he says to the people, he says, if I am not God's man, then these men will die a natural death. Now, he wasn't talking about that they would die a natural death when they got old. He meant that they were going to die a natural death right then and there whether it's going to be a heart attack or what it was, I don't know. 
he, because these men were standing up against the man of God. He said, if I am not the man of God, these men will die a natural death. But if I am the man of God, the earth is going to open up and is going to swallow them. And at that moment, the earth opened up and Korah and the other two and another 250 people who were with them, the earth swallowed them up and closed back in on them. And the people fled for fear. Can you imagine that scene? So here's what happens. This is written by the sons of Korah. Because of that rebellion, Korah's ancestors for seven generations were not allowed to go to the temple. They couldn't couldn't even go there, let alone go inside. So for seven generations, Korah's family could not go to the temple. So with that in mind, then all of a sudden, Samuel shows up. Seven generations, and Samuel is a descendant of Korah. Are you with me? So let's begin to read this again now, because all of a sudden now Korah's descendants, the sons of Korah, are being allowed to go back into the temple. You're not allowed to go to the temple for seven generations. Now all of a sudden, and here's what they say. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Can we read this stuff and read it very passively? Can we read this and just take it for granted? My soul longs. Yes, my soul, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow, the least of all the birds, has found a home. And a swallow, a nest for herself. I have not been able to come into the house of the Lord for seven generations. Oh, Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Thela means pause and think of this. Pause and think of this. Oh, how we take these things for granted. How we come here on Sunday morning and take it for granted how we don't realize the blessing that it is, how blessed it is to live in the United States of America, how blessed it is to be able to come to Leisure, Indiana and attend church. Verse 10, for a day, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Do you feel the passion and the yearning and the desire to be in the tabernacle whenever you have not been able to go there for seven generations? Oh, how we take things for granted. And I want to stir you this morning. Let's not take this place for granted. Let's be all that we can be. Hallelujah.
Psalm 42.1 to the chief musicians. A contemplation of the sons of Korah. There were 11 chapters that were written by the sons of, or 11, yeah, that's true, 11 chapters, 11 books that were written by the sons of Korah. So here it is again, the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. You've heard this scripture. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. Does that give you a little different perspective on that verse after you've known that they were locked out of the temple for seven generations? As the deer pants for the water, oh, my soul longs after you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Does anyone ever come to church like that on Sunday morning? It challenges me. How do I come to church on Sunday morning sometimes? It was absolutely crazy this morning. We get halfway here. I realize I forgot my flash drive that has the overhead on it. So I go ahead and I come. I had papers I had to get uh, copied off ready for Sunday school class. So I go ahead and come. Jackie runs back home. She gets the flash drive. She runs back. Chad puts the flash drive in, and the, the PowerPoint is not on there. She runs back home, gets my computer. It's sitting back here on the table. She runs back here again. And I finally, at three minutes till 10, I get it all loaded and hand it to Chad, and we have PowerPoint this morning. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> Do you think she had time this morning to think, oh, I, I pant for the waters of the Lord. I understand things can happen on Sunday morning. Kids are going crazy. You can't find shoes. You can't, you can't, you know, they're tied up in knots. You can't get them on. I mean, I know that there's things that happen, but let's get out of this passivity of coming to the holy place of God right here and taking it for granted and not realizing the blessing that we have because of what we have here at Harmony. We take things too passively. We don't take things seriously enough. Even our walk with the Lord is just not serious enough. So many people get up and go through their routine, go through their week, I realize you have a job to go to. I realize you have pressures. There's things going on. There's things that happen. I understand all of that. But is the Lord first in your life or is he not? We have to make sure. We're the ones that have to make sure that God is number one. Hallelujah. And he cares about all that little stuff in your life. Praise the Lord. Acts 20, verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's what Pastor Josh and I have a responsibility of doing. Let me just read that again. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. There's one thing Pastor Josh does. I, I, just, I just need to learn how to do that, how he does that. 
You know what I'm talking about. He does that thing. I mean, it's so cool. And, and I, I, need to, I need to concentrate on doing that once in a while. You know, him and I have a serious responsibility. That is to oversee the flock of God. It, it's serious business. And it's, it's much like farming. 90% of people don't understand what a farmer does, what a farmer goes through to plant a crop and to harvest a crop. Well, I, I can pretty well guarantee you 90% of you have no idea what it takes to pastor a church. But to oversee the flock, sometimes the shepherd just has to do some prodding. Sometimes the shepherd just has to grab a hold of the sheep by the wool. And it's not because we're mad. It's, not be it's just because we know we got a place to go. We're all heading somewhere. Amen? Yes. And I want to get you there. I don't want to leave anybody behind. I've been here nearly 17 years. And I can look around and see some people that, oh man, I'll tell you what, you have come a long way. But I can also look around and see some. You need some prodding. And I'm doing it lovingly. I care about you. I want to see you be all that you can be in Christ Jesus. Bob, you want to come up? I want Harmony Christian Church to be all she can be. There are, as I mentioned last week, there are churches in our community who have, they're either struggling tremendously or they are closing their doors. And I hate to see that. There are other churches, few, but there are some that are flourishing, that are really growing. You know, for the most part, Christianity in America, Christianity worldwide is growing. Church in America is declining. There's the mega churches. There's the big churches that are doing some great things. And you know what? I'm not jealous of any of those. I'm not envious of any of them. Praise God. If they're bringing people into the kingdom, hallelujah. That's, that's what we want. But God has a special calling upon Harmony Christian Church sitting right here on this corner. Why in the world did stick a church out here? I don't know. But you know, back in the 18... 85, you know, 1885 when they built this church. That's what you did. You just stuck a church everywhere. There was a tremendous revival that come through this area, and churches popped up everywhere. There's still a tremendous calling upon this place. And I want us to be greatly involved in all that. I had a little girl on my little coaches pitch team years ago and she just was the most laid back little girl I ever seen finally one morning I said Twyla Dawn I said fire up come on Twyla fire up and she said I don't want to fire up I don't like baseball <laughs> you know what I want to say to you this morning fire up 
God's doing some good things. He's moving in the land. And he wants us to be involved. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. We thank you. May you be glorified on the earth. May your church arise and be all that she can be. And let God be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.